Hi, everyone. Welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to let you know that I do another podcast that covers brand new movies out in theaters or on VOD or maybe even recently released on Blu-ray or what have you. Just do a search for the Quipster Film Review Podcast wherever you're listening to this right now and you'll probably find it. If you've been listening a while, you know that I just finished the Indiana Jones series, the trilogy, although there's four movies technically. I'm only counting the ones that came out in the 1980s, so it was a great time to catch up with those and let my family watch those. I think my wife had not seen the second or third movie. My daughter had not seen any of them before, so it was an exciting trilogy of films to watch. Now we're going to continue on as we normally do with another trilogy of sorts. The trilogy that I'm going to be covering next features a romance novelist as one of the main protagonists. So we're segueing into that with a film that often gets compared to one of the Indiana Jones adventures. It came out the same year as one of the Indiana Jones films. In fact, Romancing the Stone is what I'm talking about. It is from 1984. It's a PG-rated film, although definitely would be PG-13 if it were rated today. It has violence, some sensuality, and language. The runtime is an hour and 46 minutes. The two main stars of the film are Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Danny DeVito also gets a sizable supporting role. Robert Zemeckis is the director and the screenplay credited to Diane Thomas. Now, as I mentioned, tying it into the romance novelist theme here... Kathleen Turner plays Joan Wilder, who is a best-selling writer of romance novels. However, she has little romance in her own life. She does dream of a a tall and dark and handsome man to come and rescue her and whisk her off her feet, a lot like the hero in her series of her sexy adventure novels. Although her waiting for this idealized man may actually be the reason why she is still single... A turn of events occurs when Joan's sister ends up getting kidnapped, and that makes Joan have to travel to Columbia to give some bad guys a mysterious map that she was sent by her recently butchered brother-in-law. It's kind of her ransom in order to get her sister out of peril. Unfortunately, the corrupt local police in Columbia are after the same map, and when Joan takes the wrong bus upon arrival, she soon finds herself on the run for her life. She comes across a local soldier of fortune there in Columbia. His name is Jack Colton. He's played by Michael Douglas in the film. Colton agrees to escort Joan to the nearest phone booth for a price, but soon discovers that the journey is going to be harder than they both bargained for. Jack ends up getting this idea that they should follow that map in order to get the treasure that it points to because it is the treasure and not the map that is the true bargaining chip. So could this be the adventure that she has searched for all her life? That's the main question of the film. Of course, the impetus for Michael Douglas's involvement here in Romancing the Stone came from his securing of a four-picture deal he had with Columbia Pictures in the late 70s. He had success in some of his production ventures in the 70s. Such films as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The China Syndrome were big hits. He would also be a co-star in The China Syndrome. One of the producers in Douglas's company read a script from an unknown scribe who was working as a waitress in Malibu at the time. Her name is Diane Thomas, who wrote Romancing the Stone in 1979. And that was before the world would ever know of Indiana Jones. So to call this an Indiana Jones ripoff is probably a misnomer. Douglas had Columbia put up the funds ASAP for a potential future vehicle for their company. Came at a hefty price, at least for its era, a quarter of a million dollars for that script. 
Columbia wanted a bankable star in the lead role, though, along the lines of Clint Eastwood or Burt Reynolds, some real A-listers at the time, but Michael Douglas really couldn't get any takers that were big enough to fund the budget, and eventually Columbia grew disinterested in shelling out the money for a fairly expensive project. In the interim, though, Michael Douglas' star was also beginning to dim with a string of not-so-stellar efforts, and once his contract was done with Columbia, he was able to get 20th Century Fox to buy out the rights to Romancing the Stone from Columbia, and Fox was pretty interested at the time in producing it because of the success in 1981 of Raiders of the Lost Ark. 20th Century Fox ended up hiring Spielberg collaborator Robert Zemeckis to direct this romantic adventure, hoping that Like Spielberg, he could bring out a similar box office magic to this story idea. And next came the securing of a leading lady to play Joan Wilder. Deborah Winger was the one who was most sought after, but she declined as well. Supposedly during a meeting at dinner between Michael Douglas and Deborah Winger, she ended up biting him for some reason or another. That pretty much left her out. Jessica Lange was also considered. However, she was determined at that time to make a turn toward being thought of as a serious actress instead of just another pretty face in film, so she declined that as well. Now, Kathleen Turner was not even on their list of names at all, but she happened to be in the right place at the right time at 20th Century Fox Studios in the office of the president there who thought she might actually be a good choice. She was given a look, and she made quite an impression. She ended up getting cast Although at that time, the male lead for the film was still way up in the air. They went through the usual list of big-name male leads, including Sylvester Stallone. He turned the film down, though, in order to make Rhinestone. Ended up being one of the biggest bombs in his career, and he regretted not being in this other Stone movie, Romancing the Stone. Most of the others, including Jack Nicholson and others, cited that the role was not that interesting and was a secondary character to the female lead. That was where the character arc was, and they were not interested in it. So Douglas decided to put himself in as Jack Colton himself. Now that they had everybody in place, production would soon be underway. Columbia, the country at that time, had a rash of kidnappings, and they didn't want to get into there, so they ended up shooting in Mexico. However, The production there in Mexico was fraught with a lot of environmental issues. There were heavy amounts of rain that extended the shoot beyond its deadline. The film would come in at a modest budget, nevertheless, despite those production problems at just under $10 million. And it was a success overall in the end. It would recoup that money many times over. It racked up over $85 million in worldwide box office receipts. A big hit for them at the time. Now, during the production, injuries would also plague the lead actors, especially Kathleen Turner, who reportedly ended up suing the production company for this very nasty scrape that she incurred during the mudslide scene that would require plastic surgery in order to cover over. There was also some mounting studio pressure to get the film finished as early as possible because they didn't want to have to compete with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that was coming out in May of 1984. They managed to get it into theaters two months before that, March of 1984. And they were able to capitalize on the success of the anticipation of Indiana Jones in that way, too. Advertisements prior to the film's release emphasized a lot of the stunt work, a lot of the comedy, and also the appearance of Douglas and DeVito in the film. They downplayed the romantic aspects at the core of the film, and also the fact that Kathleen Turner had really the dominant role in the film. Even though in the end, those things are what many fans of Romancing the Stone enjoy the most about the film. Now, Romancing the Stone as a whole is a very hard film to dislike, despite its embracing of very traditional cliches 
and a share of hokey moments within the film. The trio of Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito also makes the film very watchable. And quite impressively, director Robert Zemeckis is able to hold together this very light tone to the film, despite the fact that there are murders and there's violence all around the heroes at just about every turn. Now, Robert Zemeckis, ironically, ended up getting fired from helming his next production, which was Cocoon, because Romancing the Stone, when it was given test screenings, had low scores. And 20th Century Fox was so sure this film would be a bomb at the box office that they ended up canning him from Cocoon. Zemeckis, though, thought it could be saved. He entered into a slew of reshoots of a couple of scenes, added some scenes, took away some characters, put in some new ones, and it ended up proving to be Zemeckis's first big commercial hit in the end. It set him up as a go-to talent for major Hollywood productions after this, especially the following year when he would catapult to the very forefront of big-name directors with his Back to the Future. Now, interestingly enough, even though it was a huge hit at the box office, Romancing the Stone never would get the number one movie at the box office at any point for any week in its theatrical run. But it did have great legs. It stayed in the top five for over two months, It was denied the top spot by the likes of far more forgettable films. Police Academy, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, and Breakin' all got the number one spot during the time that Romancing the Stone was out in theaters. And yet, more people did not see Romancing the Stone than any of those films on any particular week. But at the end of the year, all that money still ended up racking up. It would come in as the number eight film, the highest grossing film of 1984. Now, on the whole... Romancing the Stone is an absurd movie. You have Jack Colton firing off seemingly unlimited rounds of ammunition throughout the film. The plot itself lacks any kind of real sparkle. There's not that haunting elegance or the suspense that you found in Raiders of the Lost Ark in order to elevate the story into something more than just a fun romp that's fueled by cast charisma and this fun romantic repartee that they have. Alan Silvestri here. He ended up working on the first of what would be many films with Robert Zemeckis. He actually was not hired for the film outright. He ended up just using a temporary film score, but Zemeckis liked it so much he ended up using Silvestri as the main composer. And although Silvestri has gone on to compose some really wonderfully memorable scores over the years, the one that is used in Romancing the Stone, it has this kind of synth-heavy noise. I wouldn't consider it one of his best at all and by a long shot, even though Zemeckis seemed to be taken by it. It's a far cry from the likes of, say, John Williams for the distinguished competition, Indiana Jones movies, of course, for box office fortune and award-winning glory. The movie, though, did prove to be quite beneficial for the actors. This really pushed Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner to the forefront of leading actors at the time. You know, the kind of actors that they actually could not get to appear in the film prior to its production. And Danny DeVito in particular would make the successful jump after this from TV star to the most sought-after comic actor in Hollywood throughout the rest of the 1980s. Now, it's a shame here that the screenwriter, Diane Thomas, ended up suffering an untimely death. She was the victim of a fatal car accident in 1985, just a year after this release. She was a passenger in the very car that was given to her as a thank you for making this film by Michael Douglas. She had a very successful first outing here, and unfortunately, this would be her first and her last screenplay that was produced into a motion picture. She had started working with Steven Spielberg on the time her star was just beginning to rise and tragedy struck, unfortunately. Obviously, in comparison to the other obvious jungle adventure, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Romancing the Stone does seem to suffer by comparison, but it is arguably a more consistent good time 
As the follow-up to Raiders of the Lost Ark that same year, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, some people, including me, I actually think Romancing the Stone is a better film than Temple of Doom for many reasons. At least it's more consistent. It doesn't have the high highs of Temple of Doom, but it also doesn't have the abysmal lows of that film either. All in all, even with a formula plot and some of the cliches, I would say that Romancing the Stone is definitely a very worthy investment of your time because what it lacks for freshness, it makes up for in abundance with charm. And that charm really does carry through, thanks in large part to the direction and the actors that are here. So I would give Romancing the Stone a pretty strong recommendation. I'm giving it three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars on my scale means that I think it is a good and solid movie. Definitely worth a look if you're into action adventure, romance films it definitely covers quite a bit of entertainment there for your time if you like michael douglas kathleen turner they've never been better danny devito is also a delight in the film too very strong cast chemistry and a big reason why this film works three and a half stars out of four for romancing the stone and speaking of the cast can cast chemistry actually be something that saves every film well i guess we'll find out because this cast would appear in the next film i'm going to be reviewing it came out the following year, 1985, the follow-up to Romancing the Stone called The Jewel of the Nile. Yes, but Robert Zemeckis was not back for that. Diane Thomas, the screenwriter, did not give the script for that one. So could cast chemistry save it? I guess we'll find out. I can tell you right now, my memory of it is a bit fuzzy, but I don't remember liking it as much as Romancing the Stone. But that will be the review for next week, The Jewel of the Nile. So catch that if you're going to keep up with the reviews as they come out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And you'll continue to get my reviews of 1980s films as they come out from here on out. Check out the back catalog. I'm already into over 70 movies, quite a bit of movies, for you to listen to the reviews of. I also have many, many more in written form at my website. Whipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. I'm a man, sing the story.